welcome back to the 49 away podcast it's been a minute but we're back at it as training camp is just around the corner and we will look ahead at some of the players to watch position competitions and we'll also recap what happened to otas as well as some injury updates that we will get to as well and of course don't forget to give the 49 away a follow on instagram and twitter for more 49ers news and analysis what's going on faithful it's been a while since we've been on here last time we were on here it was the nfl schedule release so it has been a while but training camp is going to be getting going in just a few weeks so myself and zach are back on the 49 away podcast ready to talk some niners ball man it's been a while zach how's it going man it's been a while yeah it's been a while it's going pretty good i'm always excited to talk about some niners football Definitely, man. It's um, I mean, it's been weird because like it's been two months and like the Niners have been like the last team that I've been thinking about or reading news. And the next thing you know, I look at I'm like, holy crap, it's July 15th. (laughs) Training camp is going to be started in like two weeks. So like we got to we got some stuff to talk about, but I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was I was excited to get back on here, talk about, you know, training camp, all these position competitions, OTAs. Because there's, there's a lot to get to and in, in this upcoming season. You know, we've been talking about it back in March and April. You know, there's a lot to look forward to this coming season. But I would really hate to start this episode without addressing the news of X-9 or Richard Sherman. As, of course, it still feels like he still is a Niner. So, therefore, I think this hits a little home to all of us as 49er fans. So, I think I don't want to take up too much time with it. Because we all know what happened. I think we've all kind of seen and re- and read all the different stories. So I don't think we need to go into too much detail about what it is. But I just first off do want to say I, you know, put, I want to put my prayers out there for Richard Sherman and his mm-hmm. family for what they're going through. That I think we can all agree just seemed completely out of character for Richard Sherman from what we know him to be. And I think this will probably be the first time that I will say, and, and I mean this in a serious way, not even as a joking way, that 49er fans and Seahawks fans can come together on something. And Sherm, obviously, I know, you know, they're probably not going to hear this directly, but I want to at least put it out there that we're all behind him. We're all behind his family and we're here to support her. I saw John Lynch reach out earlier saying that him and Shanahan will do whatever they can. And I love that. Just shows what the Niners organization's all about. First class. But... I just want to put it out there because that's um, it was some scary stuff, and and to for all the stuff that had happened recently, you know, with Sherman helping out the Niners, it was um, yeah, it's it's tough. But um, I'll I'll let you say a few words before we move on. Yeah, yeah, it's very tough to hear about the news on uh Sherm, but uh, the good news is he was recently released from uh jail, so uh, that's good news for him and his family. And you know, of course, you were talking about how John Lynch came out and. Uh, was giving his full support to him and his wife, Ashley. And, uh, you know, he said this is bigger than football. You know, it has nothing to do with what team you're on or anything. It's about uh, helping the man out. And, you know, it, it's not really in character for a guy like Sherman. That's not what we've known him as or seen him as. So, you know, it's it's a bit of a shock. But hopefully, you know, the situation will get dealt with and uh, he'll be uh, back and playing football soon enough. No doubt. No doubt. I, again, just will want to wish the best 
for him. Yep. And I know Me this too. definitely has not been the greatest offseason. I mean, I think, you know, prior to the news that happened yesterday, I feel like it was still kind of hard to wrap my head around. How the hell is Richard Sherman not signed yet? But clearly it seems like there's a lot more than just free agency that's been on his mind, which is completely understandable. And that's none of our business and really none, no one out there except for him and his family um, to go through. But I'll leave it at that. But I just, I, I really could not go on the rest of this episode without at least addressing that um, first. But I wish him the best of luck with, with that. And that's great news to hear that he has been released. And I hope you can slowly work through some stuff. But on to some more, some good stuff here. On to the 49er season here. But I guess we'll start with this since I guess we'll kind of slowly get into it from a serious topic <laughs> into things. But um, I never got a chance to ask you about the Niners schedule. So I think last time we talked was before that. So I do want to get your thoughts on that. We'll talk a bit about the road there. I know I did an episode where I kind of broke down the schedule, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Niners road. Yeah, you know, I I think we have a pretty good schedule considering we're in the toughest uh, division in the NFL. Uh, It helped being last place last year, giving us um, an easier schedule. I like how, uh, you know, we're starting it off against the Lions and Eagles. I think uh, it gives us some time because, you know, the last couple of seasons when Jimmy G, he needed a couple of games to get into it. So having opponents like the Lions and Eagles to start it off uh, gives us more time to gel together and find our identity. So, um, you know, looking at the schedule, there are obviously some tough opponents, but uh, I feel like we're going to have a pretty good season uh, with the schedule. And I think we can uh, make the playoffs looking at the schedule. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. If everyone stays healthy, of course, that's the main thing every year. Of course. Um, This this looks like a really favorable schedule. Um, Like you mentioned, Lions-Eagles to start the year weeks one and two. The first thing that kind of came to my mind was how similar – it is to how we started 2019, right? With Tampa and Cincy on the East yep. Coast and then came home. That's similar to how this is, um, how this schedule kind of looks. And you're right, they get off to an easy start. Detroit and Philly, I don't think anyone's really expecting a lot out of either of them. But then things kind of get a little harder. Got Green Bay, Seattle, Arizona, Indy. I think all four are tough opponents. Not going to be easy at all. And then you got, you know, in the middle, it's okay. We got the Rams in there, Jacksonville, Minnesota, Seattle will be a tough one. But then I like the fact that in December, we got Cincy, Atlanta, and Houston. Three very winnable games. So usually in the past few years, our December has been loaded. This year, I think the Niners got off a little bit easy with some of the opponents. But I got to say, when I look at the whole schedule, there are, aside from the home opener against Green Bay, I think we're all just super excited for that one. Just having the fans back Sunday night at home. Um, I think that's just, um, you know, that's how how can you not get excited for that? But for me, I the first game that I looked at here was week 10, Monday night against the LA Rams. I've said this a few times, and I'm going to keep saying it throughout the season the more that we talk and the more that we get closer, even throughout the season. That's the one that I'm really looking forward to most. And I say that because of how the Niners, of what they did, in free agency, bringing back so many guys, and yet still no one is really given the Niners respect in some of the offseason talk as one of the better teams in the NFC when they clearly are. But anyways, I'm fine with that. And then you got the Rams, who bring in Matt Stafford, and we know what their expectations can be. Ten games in, or nine games into the season, 
we're going to know what the Rams are made out of, and we're going to know what the Niners are made out of at that point, too. So that's one that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, that's going to be a good matchup, uh, and especially as uh, Shanahan has said recently that uh, Stafford uh, was the guy they thought they were going to get for their squad before the Rams made the deal to get him. So uh, that's definitely a guy that Shanahan knows well and our offense and our defense knows well. And uh, I think that's going to be a big matchup. Another matchup that I'm looking at is uh, December 5th when we go to Seattle and place the Seahawks. That's going to be a huge game because we got a couple easy games after that with the Bengals and the Falcons. So that's going to be a pivotal game. And of course, any game against Seattle is always fun to watch and always nervous to watch. But uh, that's a Sunday night game, too. And uh, I'm really looking forward to those divisional games. You know, it, it seems like this year, every divisional game means so much more than in previous years because there's no easy layup in this division. So every game you're going in there with, you don't really know who's going to win. Obviously, as the season goes on, uh, teams will show their true identity and whether they'll be contenders or not. But looking at the teams in that NFC West, everyone looks like a contender. So all of those games are going to be so much fun to watch. Oh, no doubt. I mean, the NFC West has been the best division in football for the last handful of years, even without J.J. Watt going to Arizona, Matt Stafford going to L.A. This was still a very, very good competitive division every single year for at least the last three, four years at least. But yeah, this year in particular, like you mentioned, with those stars coming to this division, and then you got Bosa coming back in San Fran, this is, yeah, every, every game is going to be great. The one positive that I can look at is the Niners went 3-3 three and three in the West last year with not a lot of their starters. So that's the one thing that I can look at these matchups and be like, I think we'll live. But every single game, man, it's uh, it's going to be a dogfight, and I can't wait. And, and honestly, like you said, all you got to say is Niners, Seahawks, Sunday night, and say less. Like that, like I think that's enough. <laughs> that's enough said. You know it's going to be a, you know it's going to be a, a crazy game if you just say that. Um, one more game I'm I'm looking forward to, and I think Julio, the Julio trade, kind of put a little more flavor into this matchup. That's San Fran, Tennessee, week I think it's 16, or. Yeah, week 16. This is a week 18. Yeah, that kind of messes with me. Yeah. <laughs> week 16, Thursday night at Tennessee. That one to me, just I just think that's just that's just a fun matchup. And at Tennessee, I think that's a winnable game. But you think about the Niners defense and Derrick Henry and Julio Jones and AJ Brown. I'm just like, man, that's just a great game just to watch football. Yeah, their their offense is loaded now, getting Julio from the Falcons. And Derrick Henry's always a beast, especially later in the season when he feeds on those tired defenses. Uh, I love watching those games. But the Titans' defense is not the same as it's been in the past couple of years. So I don't know uh, if they're going to really take a huge step in uh, either direction, whether it's up or down, because they made that huge upgrade on offense getting Julio, but their defense has downgraded a little bit. So it could be a shootout, and it could be at that time where uh, Trey Lance is already in as a Niner, and uh, he could be lighting it up uh, against that defense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I definitely agree. The, the Titans have always been, at least for the last few years under Vrabel, they've always been very hot and cold. So you never know really what to expect. But I just look at the talent in that game and I'm just like, man, the Niners front seven with Bosa and Warner and, and 
Armstead against Derrick Henry in that old line, man, that's just a fun matchup. And if Verrett's playing and Julio, both of them are quite injury prone, but that's an excellent matchup as well. So that's another one I'm looking forward to. I'd say those three games, Rams, Seahawks, Titans, are three games I'm really looking forward to. But overall, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of at the point where my expectations are we got to make the playoffs and we got to at least make it to the NFC title game because that's where I think the Niners can make it. This team is so loaded that I feel like we can get there. And I'm, I'll probably say that all season long, but I'm excited. And like you mentioned, as a finishing last place last year, definitely helped out with getting some of these last place teams. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for that opener at Detroit. I wish there wasn't a pandemic so we could go, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it'll be a, it'll be a fun one. I'm excited for it. even preseason. I mean, we'll talk about this as, as the weeks come closer, having Trey Lance, honestly, put such a more emphasis and excitement into these preseason games. Like I'm, I'm stoked for that first preseason game in a few weeks, just because of Trey Lance. I'm like, who cares about Jimmy? We already know about him. Plus it's better if he doesn't play like he doesn't need to go out there and and risk himself. Right. So, but for Trey Lance, it's like, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch him play. So I can't wait for that. And we'll talk more about that as the season goes. One more thing before we get into the OTAs, man, how about those red on whites, the new uniforms? They look sexy. I'm so excited to watch them in those nice uniforms. And oh, I- I'm so glad that they brought them back and the reveal with Rice and everyone. Oh, it was beautiful. I'm so happy that they did that. And I've been saying it once they released the all whites two years ago, I was saying, man, the red on white would look sick. And they finally did it. And even better, they're wearing it not once, not twice, but four times. <sighs> Love it. Wearing the whites twice. I love it. The more the more throwbacks, the better. I think it's a easy fan favorite. I think everyone loves them. But that's um that's another element that makes me excited for this coming season. I cannot wait for that as well. But before we get into training game, I guess we'll rewind a little bit and go back to OTAs. I guess there were some positives and some negatives, as every year there is. There's always some injuries, which we'll get into. But, of course, some of the positives I'll let you go first. What were some positives that you kind of took away from, you know, doing some reading and some highlights and all that stuff from OTAs? Oh, well, the big positive, which was the big talk of all of camp, is uh, the QB competition between Garoppolo and Lance or more of the getting to know each other and, you know, the fire that Lance is kind of lighting under Jimmy's ass. And, you know, uh, watching Trey throw during OTAs was just, oh, it was so much fun for a Niners fan because you got to see uh, him using his complete package and learning the system and, you know, learning from all of the coaches, you know, guys like Shanahan. And, and you can see the talent. His arm is just phenomenal. And some of the videos that we got to see from uh, – some of the people it's just been so much fun watching those two and Jimmy looks so much bigger and stronger and he looks like he's uh, gonna have a good season he looks like uh, Lance really helped him out by you know giving him that competition it gives him some a goal a goal he doesn't want to lose that job he wants to stay in there he wants to fight for this team so it gives him that extra little motivation that he probably didn't need but it doesn't hurt yeah no absolutely and in fact I'll be I maybe from his perspective, you know, he could be like, nah, I didn't really need it. I mean, I just took this team to a Super Bowl, but I think Jimmy did need it. I think it's something that he hasn't really had since coming here. It was kind of once the Niners traded for him, it was like he's the guy for the future, right? Kind of like how we drafted yep. Trey Lance. 
It's like we're not putting in a rush for him, but he's eventually, you know, the goal here is he's our guy going forward. That's kind of like how it was when we get when we brought in Jimmy G from New England. It's kind of like he's our guy now, right? When he goes yeah. in, but then how we play just made it even better, and that's what landed him the contract and so on and so forth. But I think having that competition works for both ends here because it will help Trey Lance grow, and Jimmy, it will help him with the competition going into this year, help him be better. And Kyle Shanahan, you know, quoted at the end of OTA saying that Jimmy had his best OTAs since being a Niner. And I think that's a big deal. I know he's been recovering from injuries in some of the previous ones, but how, and last year's didn't even exist because it was over Zoom. But I think that's a big deal hearing that from Shanahan saying that and I'm just waiting for for the regular season to come around I'm not going to take much in the preseason at all because look what happened two years ago when Jimmy went in the preseason had that horrible game against Denver and everyone's like oh Garoppolo he's not the guy blah 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 and sure enough we go 13 and 3 and go all the way but I I'm I'm really excited to see the start of the season and, and see how Jimmy plays I feel like this is a big year for him and having a healthy knock on wood healthy Debo healthy Ayuk and we'll we'll get into the rest of that receiver room in a bit, but I'm I'm really looking forward to what this offense can uh, can do, and I'm also looking forward to how Shanahan utilizes Trey Lance because I'm really hoping Trey Lance isn't just sitting on the sidelines. I hope that there is a small package for him that he's able to get in there and get some playing time. Yeah, definitely, I agree with that. And I think uh, another thing to watch at OTAs, I know you were mentioning some of the negatives uh, with Jeff Wilson gone probably for the year. Uh, that running back competition and who's going to be that number two or that number one uh, because most has been uh, knocked up a bit or, and, you know, I think Trey Sermon's going to get a lot of the share uh, this year. And I'm very excited to see uh, how he does in this offense and, you know, uh, how he does under Shanahan. Um, and I really, and Elijah, who we got uh, in the draft as well. I think uh, he's kind of like, Jeff Wilson, that speed back, that uh, he's also going to get some touches. So I'm excited to see the running back room. I know it's always been by committee, but when you spend a third rounder on Trey Sermon, uh, you wonder if he's going to be the lead back in this uh, backfield and uh, how that's going to work. Yeah, it's a a good point. And I was going to go to the running back depth as one of the topics that we're going to talk about, not just today, but on upcoming episodes as well. I'm heading into training camp because I agree with you. I think it's a very interesting um, situation here. And and rewinding back here to Jeff Wilson, man, that really ticked me off, man. Because <laughs> after the year that he had last year, I was like, man, Jeff Wilson's going to have a big year next year. And then, of course, you know, the news came out that I think it was an MCL injury that he had. And from literally getting up after doing weights and I'm like, oh, that is like the worst luck you can have. And of course it, it happened to us, but I just, I feel for Jeff Wilson. Um, they haven't said it's gone for the year. They said at the bare minimum, he's missing half the year. So he'll start the year on the PUP list. So we'll see what happens. But I, I kind of know where you, what you're saying that he might miss the whole year because usually when guys miss half the year when they're on the physically unable to perform list, sometimes they have a setback. And so it, it really just all depends, but I wouldn't count on him. If he does, that'd be awesome. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't count him, uh, you know, say for certain that he's going to come back anytime soon. So that sucked. But for the rest of the running back room, like you mentioned, Trey Sermon, 
And that's another guy. As much as I'm excited to see Trey Lance in preseason, I'm excited to see Trey Sermon because a lot of people are talking about him, hyping him up. And I didn't watch a ton of him at Ohio State, so I'm excited to see, um, you know, what he's got in the preseason. And I think he really does look like from the highlights that I have watched, looks like a typical Kyle Shanahan type running back, right? Not a big guy, but a quick guy who's very nifty. And he's good. He's good in the pass game as well. So I like that. Wayne Gallman's another one that I don't think a lot of people talk about because he had a very he had a monster year with Saquon L last year. And you put him in Shanahan's system, I think Wayne Gallman could have a big year too. So I would add him in there. Like you mentioned, Elijah Mitchell could be special. Um, looking forward to seeing what he can do. Um, it seems like everyone just forgot about Hasty. Everyone was all over him last <laughs> year, and then now he's the forgotten man. And then, of course, like you mentioned. Raheem Mostert, who wanted to be the number one guy. He was the number one guy last year, but he just couldn't stay healthy. And I honestly, that's Raheem Mostert's problem every year is he cannot stay healthy for the life of him. And I think that's why the 49ers were very against paying him a little bit more and giving him a bigger contract because Raheem can't stay healthy. And this this would be the year, right? With Jeff Wilson out, you don't really know what you're getting in Sermon. You know what you're getting in Gallman, but he's still new. But Raheem Mostert, this is his time. And this training camp, I think, is a big deal. Because like you mentioned, if Trey Sermon goes balls out, he could be the number one guy week one. But this this should be the same way how Garoppolo is kind of fueled by Lance. Raheem Mostert, I think, should be fueled by Trey Sermon. Because Mostert should be like, this is my job to be the number one back. I got to stay healthy. And I got to show why I should be the number one back. So I think it's a big training camp for Raheem as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, going into the draft, drafting two running backs, you know, you've always seen how Shanahan and that offense uses all of his backs. So even if uh, Mostert wants to be the number one guy or even Sermon is the number one guy, all of our backs are used and they're all used in different situations. I really like the Gallman pickup because it's another veteran back, you know, especially when you get two rookies in that room with Goldman's there. He's been a starter. He's been a backup. He's been around the NFL. So he has that knowledge that he can pass on to the guys. And yeah, as you said, in Shanahan's offense, I think Goldman's going to have a couple major breakout games. You saw random guys last year have 300 yard games or three touchdowns, stuff like that. I think anyone in Shanahan's offense could run for that, especially smart guys and quick guys like Goldman. Um, and yeah, and looking at uh, the OTA still, another guy who really impressed me on the other side of the ball was Javon Kinlaw. He looks phenomenal coming into OTAs this year, and I'm really hoping that he has a big step step up from last season. Uh, you know, and if he can get that going, especially with Bosa back and Armstead on uh, across from him. Maybe if D Ford's healthy, bringing in Ibukum, uh, our line could be back where it was, helping us out, uh, putting pressure on that quarterback and him having to make air throws to our secondary. And uh, I'm very excited for Kinlaw and that line in general. Yeah, no, that's a good call. And, and I wanted to, to talk more about the O-line, but I'll get to that after since you brought up Kinlaw. I think we'll go right into the D-line here. Um, yeah, I've heard a lot of great things about Javon Kinlaw, too. And I know D'Amico Ryans talked very highly about him throughout OTAs as well, saying how this is a big year for him. And, you know, D'Amico Ryans probably going to do things similar scheme-wise to Robert Sala, but he'll put his own twist on it. 
And I like that. And D'Amico Ryans knows these guys. There's the consistency that's there. And Javon Kinlaw, I think this is a huge year. And that's the other thing that I'm very intrigued about. And I, well, I'm not going to say preseason because I don't know how long these guys are going to look. But week one, I think we'll really get to see what this new D-line is made out of. But this mm-hmm. is, for the most part, a revamped defensive line. You know, you got the usual suspects with Armstead, Kinlaw, DJ, and Bosa. But then you, the, John Lynch goes and brings out a lot of new guys like Arden Key, Zach Kerr, Mo Hurst. A, you know, a lot of different guys there. And then you got the other guys who got a lot of playing time due to injuries last year. Kevin Givens, Cantavia Street, who I really like. And then there's Jordan Willis. However, he is suspended and will miss. I cannot remember the amount of games. It was like six or eight. So he's out for the first quarter or half of the season there. But I'm really excited to see the depth on this D-line because the highlights that I've watched, I love what I've seen out of Zach Kerr. I love what I see out of Arden Key. I watched a lot of Maurice Hurst at Michigan. I loved him in Michigan, so I'm thrilled that we have a chance to to get him in. But then the X factor here is D Ford. That's the guy nobody's talking about that back in like January, really all of last season since he went out after week one, we're saying cut D Ford, save money, trade him, do whatever you want, but he's kind of a liability for us. But the way that I've been hearing Kyle Shanahan talk and kind of hinting that and John Lynch has kind of hinted it too, that he's in the building, he's working out, he's looking better and transition. He could be back in training camp or preseason. And I'm thinking, liability, dude, this guy helped us in a drastic way in 2019. This doesn't seem like a liability to me anymore if what Shanahan and Lynch are saying is true. Yeah, I agree, especially considering he restructured his contract in the offseason. He's uh he didn't need to cut him after he did that. So he's more of there, you know, on a let's see what he can do. Let's see what he can bring out for us. And if he's healthy and if he's close to what he was when in 2019 when he was healthy, you have him and Bosa back at the defensive end positions. You can side Armstead back to defensive tackle where he had that monstrous season back in 2019, which gave him that huge contract. And that defensive line is looking very scary. Uh, even Kevin Givens has looked very good in OTAs, and he could get a shot in that defensive tackle position, you know, because the Niners love to switch in and out their defensive line. So the more, the better. I like the Arden Key pickup and the Mo Hurst as well. I think those are great additions. And, just getting all those guys back on the D-line and seeing what they can do, especially uh, in preseason and week one, I think it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, no, no doubt. And you look at the depth on this D-line, it looks really, really good. And I just, I can't wait to see it happen. And I can't wait to see what Chris Kasser can do with these guys. And man, when I look at this team and I look at the depth on the D-line, I just think, man, we got some big boys on this D-line. I mean, DJ Jones, Zach Kerr, Mohurst. I mean, good Lord. If I'm an old line, I'm looking at that. And I'm like, oh, God, we have our hands full with these guys. And they got Armstead's length and Bosa and Kinlaw. And man, I, I cannot wait. And I hope it will be similar to, to what we saw in 2019. And I, can't, I went on about all those names and I completely forgot. Samson Ebucam, the other big free agency signing that the Niners had. That's another guy who we'll see a lot. D-line, linebacker. A little bit of both there because he could play them both. So that's another extra toy that D'Amico Ryans gets to play with. So we'll stick on the defense and then we'll go back to the offense. I'll go to the secondary now. 
The tough injury here from OTAs was Tarverius Moore, who I know Shanahan, well, when Salah was here, loved Tarverius Moore at safety, loved him on special teams. He tore his Achilles. He is gone for the year. So I hated that because I liked Tavarius more. He was a good safety for this team, used him in a lot of different ways on special teams. But I also see this as a plus for some of the younger guys that we have that we drafted. Well, that I guess they play more corner, not really safety. But I, I just, in secondary, I'm very intrigued because I know what we have in our usual starters. But the two guys that I'm excited, or the three guys that I'm excited to see are Lenore, Hafunga, and Ambry Thomas in preseason. Yeah, I'm really excited uh, for our secondary. I, I'm very happy that we brought back all of our starters on basically one-year deals, you know, to kind of give them one more season with this group and kind of teach the young the rookies and all that stuff. And I think Ambry Thomas is going to be stepping right away, especially on special teams uh, as a returner or something like that. And I'm really excited to see uh, Lenar especially uh, in the nickel. You know, I know that's Kwan Williams' spot, but you can see him in there a couple times because he is such a great tackler. And having him down there, I think that would be a good, and Kwan Williams is the perfect person to teach him. And yes, the Tervarius Moore injury hurt me a lot because last year he was stepping up for guys like Tart and Ward when they went down. And to see him go down, it really hurts. But I think it great puts a big opportunity for Hufunga. And I think he's going to be a big part of this team if he can stay healthy because he's had a lot of health issues leading up to the draft, which is why he kind of slipped to the fifth round to us. So I'm very excited to see what the rookies do in the secondary, and I'm excited to see them learn from some of these vets that we got back on this one-year deal and give them time to understand the game in the NFL because it is – completely different from college so giving them that time to season and be ready for next season i'm very excited to see what they do yeah no no doubt and i didn't even know how funga was injury prone like that but then again i'm not surprised because john lynch does this every year always drafts injury prone guys and hopes for the best which i i i love at times you'll you can love it and then at times you can hate it but it is what it is. But yeah, Hofunga is a guy I'm really excited to see. And I'll see if, um, or we'll see if he can push Marcel Harris to be the backup to Tart. Another name in there's Tony Jefferson that no one talks about too as a veteran to come in there. He's another guy you got in there. It's very interesting. And like you mentioned with Lenore playing the nickel, this could almost be a really good year for him to learn because Kwan's only here on a one-year deal. He's probably going to want a bigger contract and a lot more money after this year. Honestly, kind of surprised he signed a one-year. The fact that he, we got him for a one-year deal this year is just gold. But then this could be a chance to kind of groom Lenore to be the future nickel corner if K1 chooses to leave next year, which I have a feeling he will. I don't think the 49ers will will give him that much money to um, to bring him back after that. But you never know. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the secondary. I really am. And, and I got a question for you here. Do you think Ambry Thomas is going to challenge Emmanuel Mosley to start aside Jason Verrett? I don't think he's going to challenge him at that st- at the start because I really don't think that uh, for a playoff team, they want a rookie starting right away. I think Mosley's earned that spot. 
Um, always love friendly competition and, you know, it never hurts as you see with Garoppolo and Lance, it's clearly helping Garoppolo out and same with Mostert and, and Sermon, it's helping them out. But I do think Mosley has the edge right at the start. Uh, Thomas, you know, I think he has a lot of tools, but I think he needs some time to put it all together. And I think that's why they can afford, they afforded drafting him in this in the third round because he has those tools to be a very good corner but needs the time to learn the game and learn our system so I think you know being able to sign all of those guys back to the one-year deal it will give Thomas the time to learn and you know maybe near the end of the season when Thomas has learned our system and you know has worked with our coaches if they think he's ready to step up and step in Mosley's position. Also, you never know about injuries. You know, Verrett's uh, up until last year was very injury prone. If he goes down, Thomas may have to step up and step in. So the depth is definitely a lot better than it was in the past, uh, especially as you saw the entire secondary basically go down last year. So I'm very excited to see what Thomas does, but I do think he needs a little bit more time before he steps in there. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And I do agree with what you said about Mosley. I do think he's earned the right um, to start across Verrett. But, I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm still very skeptical about Emmanuel Mosley. I like him. He has his moments where he's really, really good. And then has his moments where he's not so good. And that's my only worry with Emmanuel Mosley. And I always kind of circle back to two games in 2019. One, the Falcons game where he got absolutely torched by Julio. And then the second one is the Super Bowl did not play very good against Tyreek Hill. So those are my only worries when it comes to Emmanuel Mosley. But, you know, we got 18 games or 17 games to figure that out this year uh, before the postseason. So I'm sure they'll end up figuring that out. But um, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the secondary. So moving back to the offense, we'll go. We'll talk about wide receiver depth and O-line. And I'll go back to the trenches on O-line. Two things here. One. The position that I'm really I'm really looking forward to is the right guard between Brunskill and Banks. And then secondly, losing Justin School. I want to get yeah. your thoughts. Is that a bigger deal than than you think initially it was? Was it a big deal or do you think it's not as big of a deal? I think it is a big deal. I think school is kind of their swing guard, their guy that can play almost all those positions. And, you know, losing school right off the bat for basically the whole season is really gonna hurt the team. Uh, I think a guy like Jalen Moore may have to step up or Colton McKivitz uh, or even the loser between Brunskill and Banks, whoever uh, doesn't get that guard position, they're still going to have a big role on this offense because school went down. Uh, but again, the Niners uh, motivation and their low, mo motto has always been next man up. So as much as losing school hurts, I think they'll take that motto to heart and they'll get that next man up and be that guy. Um, but at least school wasn't a starter. So you didn't lose that starting position, that guy on the offensive line who's going to be there the whole time. But I think, uh, you know, we've really worked on our depth this offseason, especially through the draft and some of our signings. Uh, that I think will be all right, but it, it did hurt to lose him. Yeah, no, f fair enough. I think it did. It does hurt in the long run, especially on O-line and adding a 17th game to the schedule. You know, injuries are going to happen and depth is so, so, so important, especially this year. 
And Justin School, you know, I would consider him, yeah, one of the more experienced guys going into this year now, right? Just two years ago, he was a rookie. But now you give him some playing time under his belt because all the injuries that happened last year, he got to play a little bit in there too. Yeah, I would say it's it's definitely hurts to have a guy who had a lot of playing time over the past two years because Staley missed a significant portion of 2019. So school was in there until Brunskill ended up taking over that anyways. But for me, I don't think it's as big of a deal because I don't think Justin School was ever that effective when he was in there anyways. So for me, even though I hate seeing guys go down and never want to say that as a reason, you know, to be like, oh, he went down, we didn't need him anyways. I hate being like that. But anytime Justin School was in there, I think there was maybe only one game I can think of where I was like, man, this guy playing really well. For me, it was always Daniel Brunskill. He was always the guy that whenever he's in there, he's making a significant impact wherever he's playing. But I would really hope, this is what I would hope, and I think when we drafted Aaron Banks and when you and I were talking about this around draft time, we're saying the same thing. Ideally, we would want Aaron Banks taking over right guard because he's traditionally a guard. Brunskill can play anything. So now he's your swing tackle or or if, if something ever happened to Mac, you got Brunskill to play center. Something happens to a guard, Brunskill, right? He's like your top utility O-lineman that you can plug and play at any position across the O-line. So that would be my ideal scenario. Whether if, Duns- if you put Brunskill a right guard to start, then who's your guy to, to be that in that situation, right? Sean Coleman's coming off an injury. I never really liked Tom, Com- uh, Tom Compton. Colton McKivitz, like you mentioned. Jalen Moore's a rookie, so... There's a lot of question marks, but if Banks has a really good training camp in preseason and he starts a guard, if someone goes down, you got your boy Daniel Brunskill right behind him. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think Brunskill will probably end up in the swing tackle position and Banks will start at right guard. And that really shores up the right side, especially against mm-hmm. the run. You know, Banks is that big guy who can always stop defensive tackles. And, uh, you know, having that veteran in Alex Mack at center really helps a young guy like Banks. Uh, even if he makes a couple mistakes, Mac is always there to pick up that extra pressure on the right side. And I think drafting Aaron Banks uh, really helped uh, shore up a hole in the offensive line on that right side. And, you know, I think it will also help McGlinchey because you don't have that extreme question at right guard with Banks there. And as you said, Brunskill can be that swing tackle. He can play all five positions on that offensive line. And even if Brunskill is the starter, if an injury happens, Banks probably slots in at the right guard and they can move Brunskill around. So I think we're better in depth this year than we were the last couple of years. Uh, but yes, losing school hurts does hurt a bit. Agreed. Yep, definitely agree with that. And, you know, I think out of all the positions, I think O-line is kind of the most important one in preseason because you rotate through all the guys, so all of them get playing time. So you really get to see who stands out and who doesn't in preseason. I think offensive line is kind of the one position group to look forward to. So it'll be interesting. All I got to say is going into the season, once we once we re-sign Williams and sign Mac, I'm like, man, this old line, if they can hold up and stay healthy for a majority of this season, this is a really good offensive line. So I can't wait to see those boys go to work. The last position battle, I think this is going to be one of the most fun position battles to look forward to in training camp and preseason. We know Debo and Ayuk are going to be your starting duo. But beyond that, there's a lot of question marks. You got Juwan Jennings coming back from injury. You got Richie James, who had a really good year last year. He's got a chance. 
Mo Sanu is back. He's got a chance. Jalen Hurd, the guy who we've all been excited to see, is he finally going to get his opportunity? You got River Craycraft, everyone's fan favorite, Travis Benjamin, Kevin White, Trent Sherfield. I don't know anything about him, but I've heard he's a decent backup. There's a lot of names I just named off there. Who do you think is going to pop off that list and take over yeah, number so, three? So the guy I really like, who I really liked last year when we drafted him, uh, who I kind of hope gets a chance if he stays healthy and maybe shows off that talent is Jawan Jennings. I think he had a lot of skill last year, but slipped to the seventh round to us because of off-field issues or behavioral issues or something like that. I think he's got that skill and, you know, being in our clubhouse, in our system, uh, I, I think it really helps with guys who have that off-field issue because we're such a selfless club. So I, I don't think that's really going to be a big issue on this team. But as you said, the, the third wide receiver spot is wide open. You have Ayuk and uh, Samuel is your number one. But we don't really know. I would love to see if Jalen Hurd can ever do anything. But, you know, I heard there was a bit of injuries at OTAs as well. So you never know if he'll ever be healthy enough to actually play a game. But if Jalen Hurd is healthy, I would love to see what he can do for the team and uh, how he can help out in that position. Uh, another guy, Richie James, looks like he could help out most new. He's a great vet. I'd love to see him. And he's already been with the team, so he knows the system a decent amount. Uh, one guy that, you know, we signed that I don't think will get an opportunity maybe this year or right at the start right away, Austin Watkins Jr. I think he's uh, related to Sammy Watkins. And, you know, it never hurts to bring in a guy who's related to Sammy Watkins and see what he can do. Yeah, I actually didn't even know that. I just saw that name right now on the depth chart. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's what preseason's for, right? To see guys like that kind of make a name for themselves. Um, yeah, I know. I know over the past year or so, you've been really big on Jalen Hurd and Jawan Jennings. Um, I'm really excited to see both of them. I mean, we all loved what we saw, the very, very, very small sample size with Jalen Hurd. And yeah, the question is, can he stay healthy? And if he can't stay healthy at all this season, I think he's, I think he's done. I think they're just going to cut him. But as for Jawan Jennings, I mean, I heard Kyle Shannon near the end of OTA saying he look he looked like the top leader to be the third wide receiver on this depth chart. So that's a guy to look out for in preseason as well. But like you mentioned, Mohamed Sanu and Richie James, I think, have the lead on some of these guys. Sanu with his experience and familiarity with Shanahan's system. Richie James, uh, same thing with his experience in the system, usually being that kick return guy. But I think if they give him the chance to be more of a receiver, he can make plays because he hasn't really had that opportunity. And when he did, he went off. So the Niners have a lot of flexibility here, a lot of young guys for the exception of Sanu. So I'm really excited to see what the Niners are going to do a wide receiver. I think it's going to be a fun battle all training camp and all preseason long. But I mean, we're going to have the next few weeks to talk about this, all these battles in training camp and going into preseason, a lot to talk about. But Zach, any last, uh, any final thoughts here? Yeah, the one position or one of the positions that we didn't really touch on, the tight end position. I think we have a very strong depth in that tight end position, getting Michael Pruitt and having Charlie Warner as our fourth guy with bringing Ross Dwelly back. I, I think that's a position that even if Kittle goes down, which would obviously suck because Kittle's 
top two, if not number one tight end in the league. Uh, but I think that's a position that we have tremendous depth. And, you know, Shanahan always loves to utilize his tight ends, especially uh, in the run game. So I, I really like that. And I'm very excited for preseason and uh, training camp to see the battles. Uh, I don't know who's going to come out of the wide receiver position. I don't really know who's going to come out of the third quarterback position. Uh, or the running back position. So I'm very excited to see preseason to watch Niners again and see what they can do. Definitely, man. I'm the same way. And I think this is the first time that I can finally say in a while, thank God we don't have to care about who our backup quarterback is. (laughs) Thank heavens for that. But beyond this year, maybe that will end up being a problem again. But hopefully not. We're worried about this season. That'll do it from this week's episode of the 49 Away Podcast. Jay and Zach here again, and we will be with you again shortly to talk more training camp as soon as it comes. Thanks for joining, Zach, and we will talk again soon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the 49 Away Podcast. Keep it locked. We got a lot more content coming your way. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more 49ers news and analysis.